audio check. Now, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. <laughs> All right, so we are kicking off the Magellan RX series for October Pharmacist Month, and uh, we have our very first uh, guest here, which I'm really excited to learn about what it is that he does here, and uh, the impact on healthcare, the impact on pharmacy, and uh, and and just the general roles of, of Magellan here. So, um, Dr. Mark Santilli, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Is, is your first podcast? This is my first podcast. Yes, nice. I love doing this. This is great. Yeah. So uh, let's we're going to get into kind of what you do. We're going to get into your day to day, but let's let's talk a little bit. Like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, let's get some background um, on who you are, the man, uh, and then <laughs> and then kind of how you got here. Yeah, um, my name is Mark Santilli. Uh, born and raised in Rhode Island. Family's from here. Mom and dad grew up in grew up in the state. I went to the local college, University of Rhode Island, graduated with my PharmD. Uh, originally, I was actually in chemical engineering. Um, Interesting. Pharmacy actually runs runs pretty deep through my bloodlines. Uh, okay. My grandfather on my mother's side used to own his own independent, and then my mother's sister was a pharmacist. My sister's a pharmacist. So growing up, you I had no choice. Wanted, yeah, I didn't. I feel like I didn't have a choice. <laughs> you so had I no wanted choice. to try to, you know, break the trend, if you will. Yeah. So my father's an engineer, so I tried going down that path, and you know, I gave it a try, and it just didn't really seem the right fit for me. Yeah. Um, and I knew pharmacy was always kind of next up, if you will. So mm-hmm. uh, I decided to take the plunge. I ended up transferring into the program, um, and the rest is history. Nice, man. Cool. Okay. And so what is it, what, what's your official title? What is it that you, you know, what is it that you're doing here uh, at Magellan? So my official title is Director of Clinical Programs. Um, basically, my primary function is the development and implementation of clinical programs in the quality space. So a lot of that primarily functions around medication therapy management, uh, different CMS star rating programs, um, NCQA HEDIS measures. Again, a lot of the, a lot of the primary traditional uh, disease states and mm-hmm. a lot of different types of avenues in how can we improve patient care and obviously make sure that they're getting the most uh, the most out of all, of all their health care and the best quality. Okay. And, but so you're designing the programs, but do you have any, like, does your role also entail any direct patient care or is it only in terms of designing programs to then kind of lead um, clinical teams? Exactly. So I used to actually work in our call center um, and then obviously as the years went by and I was able to kind of move up the ranks. I'm more in charge of basically the population management. So I don't get the direct patient interaction, but I think what I like to see is, okay, you know, I may not get the rewarding sense of having been able to contact with a member and feel like I actually made a difference there, but globally and at a population level, I'm able to see, hey, we were able to get that health plan from a three to a four star. I know I helped have an impact there. Yeah. So you clock in. Mm-hmm. It's it's nine o'clock, right? Nine a.m. You clock in. What is your day like? Like, what what, what starts? What is the normal? I know in, in certain roles, especially as you, uh, you know, go higher up outside of actual clinical practice, it, it can your day to day can just be all over the place. But try to walk us through what is it that you're doing, kind of day to day, or what does your days usually look like? Yeah, um, no day is the same. So it's it's nice in the sense that you know there's there's not a lot of monotony to it. Uh, very dynamic. So. 
my primary role isn't client facing, but mm-hmm. I do have um, certain roles that lend lend itself to that. So I'm able to still interact with a number of different of our, a number of different clients, and on top of that, I'm also working internally with not only our call center staff our legal team, our analytics team, compliance. Mm. Um, so my day is usually pretty wild. Yeah. And is it, uh, are you traveling a lot? Is it based only out of a, the corporate office or? Um... I'm able to do some traveling. Okay. Um, primarily I work out of the Newport, Middletown, Rhode Island mm-hmm. office. Um, but I have traveled in the past, again, to certain clients. Um, I've been to New York, um, I've been to Scottsdale, Arizona, where our headquarters are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to New Jersey as well. Uh, travel is pretty minimal, though, and I, I think I'd prefer to keep it that way. Yeah. So yeah, I'm more of a homebody. So yeah, <laughs> although especially you know depending on the weather, a lot of times like uh, so being from Miami, it was a nice change of pace up here in Rhode Island to uh, get some nice cool weather. Um, what about like the actual skills that it takes to kind of be in a role like yours? So you mentioned you came from the call center. Yep. Um, so we can possibly even talk a little bit about that too. But the skill set to be in a role like yours where you're developing these clinical programs, what do you think is like, what are some key core elements in terms of your skill set to be able to do this um, job great? Uh, I think first and foremost, attention to detail. Um, a lot of times if you look at kind of a, a lot of these programs and, and what measures they're kind of tied to at face value, they seem pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at kind of how other health plans perform, it's it's on average. And we obviously want to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace. So I think having to maybe be a little more inquisitive mm-hmm. and kind of look outside the box and look in areas that maybe other people wouldn't to try to find additional strategies and how to kind of target and identify certain subsets of the population that may be most impactful to help move the needle. Yeah. Okay. And where do you see it kind of going? So, you know, you mentioned like what skills that you need to have it like now, but in the future, pharmacy is changing. There's a bunch of different things that are happening in the industry, um, whether it be advances in technology, whether it be reimbursement rates, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of things are happening for your role. Like if you could pull out a crystal ball and see like what your role, and if you, if you had to stay here, I'm hoping, you know, you'll oh, go yeah. off and do great things, <laughs> but let's just say you're, you're doing this, for the next five to 10 years, how is this role going to be changed in the future? Uh, I Like you kind of touched on, I think technology is number one. Um, we're even starting to expand kind of our our scope and, and how we leverage technology, but something we even talked about a little bit earlier, a lot more personalized medicine. Mm-hmm. So even though I primarily focus in the traditional space, there's still a lot of advances in terms of what drug classes there are, especially diabetes when you look at it. So even just getting more personalized and starting to leverage different avenues um, and methods of engagement. Mm-hmm. Right now, primarily we use lettering and, and telephonic outreach, but I think certainly taking steps down the line of SMS text messaging, mm-hmm. um, leveraging email, even Skype, I think that's the future and I think that's something we need to try to get ahead of. Yeah. So if I give you, so if I give you like unlimited budget, right, and I tell you, all right, next six months, you know, completely change, like completely innovative clinical program, what are you doing with that unlimited budget? Oh man, um, to be honest, I'd probably say focus first and foremost on MTM. Um, I think as pharmacists, we see the value in that, not only to the patient, but also to the overall healthcare system where you can, you know, cut down on med errors, help the, help them save money. So again, if there's any way that we could potentially set up 
live Skype opportunities there. Um, I think just having that sense of personalized touch with the patient, mm-hmm. number one, it increased our overall ability to engage the patient um, and make sure that they actually follow through with a lot of the items that we discussed during that session. Yeah. So let's, speaking of unlimited budget, <laughs> let's let's go to talking about like the business side of things where, you know, every, especially when you get to, um, especially when you get to a role like this where you, uh, your your primary focus is, I mean, you get pressures from like, whether it's a board or, or you know, upper management, you're, you're getting business pressures to say, how is this going to impact the business? So talk a little bit about that from a, coming from a clinical standpoint, a clinical background. How is it that you're dealing with um, these business pressures and what role do you have in making sure that you're meeting the business goal, business goals side, like the business side of things mm-hmm. and their goals? Uh, no. And I mean, that kind of comes back back around to what's your day to day like. And it's being sure that we interface with the appropriate parties. So, number one, to your point, hey, CMS star ratings just came out. The thresholds and cut points just went up. Maybe we're not performing or in line where we thought we were. Now we have to obviously level set expectations with the client in terms of where we expect to go. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, planning for the future, we need to be sure that we're talk, talking with our finance team, our call center managers to make sure, okay, what additional budget and what additional staff do we need to help get us to that next cut point? Yeah. So it's ensuring that we kind of look at everything kind of holistically. So what's our relationship with the client? You know, where do we currently stand in terms of their cut point? Uh, what are our goals? Hey, we're at a three. How do we get to a four? Yeah. And then kind of tying that back to the call center, knowing, hey, right now we have 15 pharmacists. Well, we're going to need 18. Okay, well, how can we get there? And what does that budget look like from where we currently stand? So can you explain the cut point uh, for some listeners that are not aware and, and maybe talk about, too, like how that you said there was a recent announcement as to some changes. Can you yeah. go over the basics of that and then what the changes were? At the highest level, uh, CMS grades health plans similar to if you were in school and you get a report card. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are called star ratings. And they're across a number of domains, uh, clinical and non-clinical. So we primarily focus in the clinical space. So this is CMS's way of basically giving you a, a rating and showing you where you kind of stand across the entire nation. Mm-hmm. So there's a national average and then where you as the health plan currently stand. So right now, the cut points just came out and they all went up pretty significantly. So now health plans are kind of scratching their head. Hey, this is where I was expecting to be and this is where I currently am, a little bit lower than I was hoping. Uh, what additional you know advancements and, and how are we going to help move that needle? And then mm-hmm. again, that's kind of where our team comes into play and try to navigate that situation. Gotcha. And then when you say the cut point, is that the like star that they, or the percentage, or those are the uh, minimums that pharmacies need to be at in order to like get um, appropriate reimbursement. So a five star maybe, you know, you have to have a certain percentage of patients on a statin medication who are diabetic. And to get a five star, you have to have 75% of your population. Mm -hmm. To be a four star, maybe it's 60, three star, 50. Um, And it kind of works its way up through um, two through five star uh, across all of the measures. And of course they differ. Okay. It's interesting. Cool. Well, um, let's talk about too. So a lot of times we have people that are listening are um, either students. Um, so I guess we'll start with students and then we'll talk about um, in a second kind of a practicing pharmacist and wanting to get to a role like yours. So what can students do now if their hope is to say one day I want to create clinical programs for the largest companies um, in, in the world? What can they be doing as a student now to kind of get to that point? 
Uh, well, right now I know the big things for students is rotations. It's kind of where you see what other experiences there are out in the world. And I know a lot of times in school you get a lot of pressure where it's it's, it's either retail or it's hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's primarily where the core curriculum kind of focuses around. But I think it's a lot of those other kind of ancillary courses, health systems, um, you know, it's those types of courses that you really kind of want to focus on mm-hmm. and just keep an open mind. And when you are picking your rotation sites, think outside the box, even if it's not something that you think you're interested in or going to be. Mm-hmm. If it's something you've never heard of, try it. And that's kind of how I got my start um, here at Magellan, what used to be CDMI before we required. I was originally a student here. You know, uh, URI is pretty tight knit. Mm-hmm. We have a number of URI alumni who work here, probably. I heard. 75% <laughs> of the pharmacists are from, yeah. from the backyard. Um, so, you know, just kind of knowing older, older students uh, who kind of made their way through, started here. I thought, hey, that sounds great. You know, I know, um, again, that th- I felt like that's where pharmacy was headed, mm-hmm. where, again, you know, in a number of years, pharmacists may be obsolete at the retail setting. Yeah. Um, they're going to have machines who can dispense drugs. Yeah. So how else can we kind of showcase our, our clinical acumen? Yeah. I want to let the record show. I don't think they're going to be obsolete at the retail <laughs> setting. I just think that they're going to be in a, in a completely different role. Not say they might not be there anymore, but um, anyway. But yeah. It'll be different. <laughs> it's yes. going to be different, yeah. Um, so, so that's interesting to hear. So what about the practicing pharmacist? So let's say I'm a community pharmacist. Um, I work at CVS or Walgreens or, um, you know, just any, any sort of any practice. Yeah. Maybe I'm even working in a hospital, um, as a staff pharmacist or even a clinical pharmacist there. What can I do then since I can't go back and go on rotations? Mm -hmm. What can I do then to get to a role like yours? Like what, what steps? And I know it's, it's, likely a long like a long road from there but what are the sequential steps that you would say that should be in order for um, a pharmacist to get to a role like yours get more involved on the business end of it um that's first and foremost see if you can take additional steps um you know meeting with your dm uh try to get more involved in the quality space so a lot of retail settings they still do mtm sessions it's i think a a a much smaller portion of kind of what their overall role is but Mm -hmm. um i know a lot of a lot of chain pharmacies look to kind of implement an MTM program. On top of that, there's a number of other platforms that some of these chains use, um, such as Equip. That's an example where that may give them an idea of, hey, this patient's currently filling at your pharmacy and it looks like they have a gap in care where they're diabetic and not on a stat. Mm -hmm. You can help address that and then potentially get some additional reimbursement from that angle. So it's just kind of making sure that you're looking at it from different angles. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I think... You know, that that was a, a solid episode for to get us started. And I hope that some people got some good value out of that. And if they wanted to connect with you and kind of continue the conversation, what would be the best way for someone to kind of get in touch with you? Uh, if that's OK. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you can certainly reach me via email. Um, so I'll be msantilli at MagellanHealth.com. Cool. And I'll link that up into the show notes in case um, make sure we get the accurate spelling and everything. So if anyone is interested in reaching out, uh, Mark, thank you so much. Really yeah, do appreciate it. This was great. Much appreciated. Hey, everyone. First of all, thank you so much uh, for being a listener, for being a subscriber and taking in all the content that we're putting out. And I really want to thank the folks over at Magellan RX for making this happen. 
both to the pharmacist that uh, we interviewed in the series and also the marketing team over at Magellan. I really do appreciate you guys for uh, really making this come to life uh, for uh, for October Pharmacist Month. And uh, if you want to learn more about Magellan, what they're doing, visit them at MagellanRx.com. I'm going to link their uh, website information in the show notes below. And, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms, uh, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, we're on all those. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.